Welcome back to another episode of the Inside Insights Podcast, where we take a dive inside the minds of people doing outside of the ordinary. My name is Kevin Renner, and I want to thank you guys for tuning in to yet another episode. This one is a full-length one, and it is a real estate episode, which is something that I have always been very interested in. Um, The older I get, the more I kind of realize how powerful real estate can be as far as building wealth and just building a career around it if it's something that you're passionate about. And I know how entrepreneurship and real estate kind of go hand in hand. So this was definitely a fun conversation. I learned uh, quite a bit just talking to Alex. But um, Alex Herbs is the name of the guy who came on for this episode. To give you guys a little background on Alex and his story, um, Alex graduated from college, worked the corporate life for a little bit, and was just kind of invested in real estate a little bit on the side. Um, he eventually got to the point to where he realized that, you know, he wanted to go all in on real estate and, and walk away from the corporate world. And um, in present day, he is actually the owner of a property management company called Herbs Management that they specialize in self-storage units. So I'm sure all of you guys have seen Storage Wars or similar style shows where they basically go into these different different storage units and auction off items from them. So these facilities that they're going into is basically what... Um, Alex and his team manage. So he kind of talks about what what stands out about the self-storage asset class and why they specialize in that as opposed to other areas of real estate. He gave some perspectives on how he thinks the real estate industry may be affected moving forward from COVID and this new kind of digital remote landscape we're living in now. And then he also just offered up some advice on business, entrepreneurship, uh, scaling, and some other random topics as well. So as always, guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, If you guys like the content we're putting out there, show us some love on social media, whether it's sharing one of our posts on your story and tagging us or commenting and liking our posts. You know, it all means the world to us and we really do appreciate every bit of support and we want to continue to, you know, keep the ball rolling and really build the momentum with this. So thank you guys so much. On to the episode. We are back with another episode, and I am joined with um, a guy named Alex Herb. So, Alex, thank you for joining us. No problem. Happy to be here. So, thank you for having me. Before we jump into everything, give us a little background on just like what part of St. Louis you're from, maybe like where you went to college, and then we'll just kind of take it from there. Yeah. Well, I grew up here in St. Louis from South County, Afton, represent. Uh, went to Seven Holy Founders grade school for all the Afton people out there. And then ended up going to CBC High School, so shout out to the cadets, always yeah. <laughs> got to represent when I can here. <laughs> and then I did not, uh, you know, I did not follow the crowd to another Missouri school. I went uh, to Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois, so okay. a little bit smaller private school, yep. central Illinois, about halfway between St. Louis and Chicago. So Peoria, it's kind of like go through the cornfields, make a left, and you're right there. Right. <laughs> so, so I kind of changed it up from everybody else who went to Mizzou and Missouri State. No offense to the, yeah. to the Bears, who were rivals of ours over right. there. But um, yeah, so went there, got a degree in construction management that I really have not used, and yeah. went from there. So, so why Bradley? Uh, well... My family, we are very, well, very family-based, which sounds kind of funny when you say it like that, but 
we we have a lot of traditions and it's not even like I purposely did it. I was looking at a bunch of different schools and doing all this, you know, research on where I wanted to go and not really looking for a larger school, not really looking for a tiny school, kind of mm-hmm. that mid-range and Bradley has that nice balance of being a mid-sized university. Yeah. And my parents actually both went there too on top of it plus some of my aunt and uncles. So I don't know if it was a combination of what I was kind of looking for and doing for that mm-hmm. or look what the school I was looking for. Plus probably like a little bit of my parents going, uh, <laughs> Hey, you know, Bradley's probably the best choice for you here. Yeah, so a little yeah. bit of that. So it balanced really well. And obviously it was still my final decision. It wasn't like my parents going, you need yeah. to go there. But I was very happy, did a lot of great things there, made a lot of good friends and very happy to be a, a brave alumni there. Yeah. I'm a, so they play the high school, state championships at Bradley, right? Yep. Okay, I've been there once or twice then and, yep. and checked out a few games. Illinois State High School Association does all their games down at the gotcha. uh, uh, arena downtown in Peoria, so that's where the one thing Peoria is known for is high school basketball, yeah, apparently, yeah. which who, who would have ever guessed that was the that was their claim to fame. But Yeah, right. So you, you studied construction management in college, right? Correct. And you're, you're pretty involved in like real estate now. Um, we won't jump into that too much now, but like, did you have any interest in real estate at all while you were in college? Uh, for sure. I've, I've always had a really big interest in real estate and getting into, you know, I kind of, that was one of the main reasons I looked at construction management, not really knowing fully what construction management was. So, so for those that don't really know, it's kind of a combination of like civil engineering, and business school basically mm-hmm. is you're not so much the engineer that makes the decisions on the projects, but it's more the uh, the the combination of both where you actually execute the project, make sure it's staying on budget, going from there. And I always I didn't know if I wanted to go the engineering or the business route, so it was kind of was a nice combination for me personally. Mm-hmm. And it kind of was the idea of like, oh, I always watched like the you know the house flipping shows like that. I'll get a construction yeah. management degree, I'll go flip a house. Well, not really knowing that actually construction management is more geared towards like commercial buildings yeah. and like larger. Not that you can't do like smaller flips and stuff like that. It was more geared towards like commercial properties and bigger, you know, hospitals and industrial buildings and and, and whatnot. So it really was. It was, it was a, hey, I think I really want to get into real estate and do that. And that was kind of where the path led me towards of, of getting that degree and thinking I want to do something in the real estate world and getting into that route. But, it, you know, not specifically knowing what at the time, to say the least. Yeah. So, like, how, how does that, like, how does your, like, progression in real estate go? Like, were you, like, reading real estate books and that's kind of how you got started or... Or what's like the appeal there? Uh, no, I again, I'm, I have a very, I think, unique perspective on that. Is it was really I, I got to give full credit to my uncle, uh, my uncle Pat, great guy, and Pat is a great mentor to me. He's my godfather. Everything else, mm-hmm. he really was big into the real estate world his entire life. So it kind of was always. He actually lives in upstate New York near Rochester, mm-hmm. kind of Buffalo Rochester area. And he he really was one of those ones that you'd always just kind of hear about him doing it because he was kind of one of the main reasons we got into the self-storage industry yeah. that we'll touch base on here shortly. But he, he started in about 2000 and he was buying storage facilities and just doing really well with them. And you always knew, you know, he, he does great work with it and the real estate aspect. And it kind of was always, I knew my dad kind of invested with him a little bit on the side and everything. So it it was more the entrepreneurial spirit that yeah. we kind of talk about yeah. of like, all right, if Pat's doing it, like, how can I get involved in this? Mm-hmm. And how, you know, and it wasn't even so much, I think, real estate. It really was just business. You know, okay, he's getting into right. business there. And then it kind of was a real culmination of everything of the business aspect, the real estate aspect, 
the, you know, the construction aspect of mine, like really kind of hit all points and being in this, mm-hmm. being in the storage industry and being in this, you know, kind of unique asset class to say the least and getting into that real estate mindset without fully knowing. So no, it was not, it was not me spending countless nights reading books and reading articles and stuff. It really was a, I kind of fell into it and really enjoyed it. And now I'm, now I'm doing a lot more of the continued education that I probably should have done about, you know, <laughs> probably four years ago before that, but yeah. We still worked out. We're yeah. still here. So. Are, you, are you like doing like courses or like um, like any forums or anything online that you're checking out to like continue that education? Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of. I, I like to do a lot of the reading of. You know, I like like the forums. Yes, yeah, so like a lot of Facebook pages, Facebook groups, mm-hmm. seeing the questions that people are asking, seeing how they're being answered, and going from there. Um, I really enjoy reading some of the self-storage websites, reading just the real estate websites and trying to stay up to date. Like I'm one of those. I enjoy reading the newspaper and seeing what's going on and seeing the different development projects that are going on. And so I wouldn't say I'm very good or I guess I've gotten too swamped that I'm really putting time into, you know, studying or, you know, really self-knowledge and gaining more insight because we're just mm-hmm. very busy right now. But that's kind of my next step is to really push more on that uh on the continued education, I keep wanting to say like that and yeah. continue to grow my, my, my self-knowledge and everything too. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know a whole lot about real estate, but like just from, I've read a few books on it and, and the more I like dive into it, the more you realize how many different like rabbit holes you can go down uh, yes. into it. Like, like the storage facilities, there's like apartment buildings and there's, um, you know, I don't, I don't even, there's so many different areas to go into with real estate, which is why it's so interesting though. Well, so here's, here's my breakdown for you to make it easy for you. So there's, there's already two main sectors right there is you're going to have your residential sector of real estate and your commercial sector. Mm -hmm. Your residential sector is a really interesting sector of the market. It's your, it's your apartment complexes. It's your single family houses or just houses, townhomes, condos. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's owning, they call it multifamily when it's, you know, usually four plus or larger, you know, Mm multi-tenant buildings. Mm -hmm. And that is a lot of that is based solely on the, uh, the market value. And when I say it like that, it's market driven. It's not, you know, it's not business driven or they always say cap rates on the commercial side mm-hmm. is a big word um, for, for determining value. So on the commercial side and why I tend to lean tor- more towards the commercial side and always liking being in the storage and, uh, you know, commercial spaces, malls, resident, uh, you know, our industrial buildings, excuse me, you know, and very similar type properties, mixed mm-hmm. use properties, et cetera is because those are all determined on the value of the business aspect of it. So how much is that business making? How much is, you know, it's not determined by what the market says it's worth. Like a house is worth $180,000, but who determines that value? In a storage facility or any kind of other commercial asset class, it's valued upon what your income is on it and your, you know, basically the business factors of it. Is this business it. going to survive? Is this business going to survive? Yeah. You know, and that's what they, the, the cap rates, they call them capitalization rates, is they plug those into these facilities to, or, you know, facilities, uh, different properties, et cetera, to be able to determine what their value is. So of course, you know, storage facilities have lower capitalization rates at about a 7% return, mm-hmm. while, you know, some other properties, some multifamily, some, you know, uh, different properties like that can tend to range from 7% to 13, 14, et cetera. Yeah. But they're also a little more risky in some aspects too, mm-hmm. because like we're in the middle of a pandemic or, you know, wherever we're at in that, how many people are buying shopping malls right now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, those are more risky on that front. Okay. When you say capitalization rate, what do you mean by that exactly? So capitalization rate is the, I are putting me on the spot here on what the exact, <laughs> the, the exact, uh, 
equation is, but it's basically your net income divided by what you're paying for the facility. Okay. So for example, if the net income, everything you're walking away from is a hundred thousand dollars and it's at a 10% cap rate, that means you're getting it for, you know, a million dollar property right there. Okay. That makes sense. So right now you're seeing with interest rates being so low, you're seeing the capitalization rates or cap rates, like it was what they're referred to, but mm-hmm. cap rates are getting a lot lower, which is good for sellers, but bad for buyers mm. because your return on that is going to be a lot less. And that's especially as tough for, um, for when, because we didn't even talk about the loan aspect of it. So that's only if it's the net income divided by the rate, but that's before your loan or your debt on this place. So that's where you have to go get a loan. So that's before any kind of loan service. So that 10% is assuming that you're paying $1 million cash for that, which probably isn't going to happen in, the, in, that, in that example there. Most yeah. people aren't going to do that. Huh. Okay, so with like COVID and everything that's kind of going on now, do you think that um, like commercial real estate is going to take a hit years down the road or just, I guess, for the future indefinitely with – you know, all these companies and businesses moving to remote work, do you think a lot of like office spaces are going to start decreasing? You know, there's a, I've heard two different aspects on it. And one is, I've heard my opinion of it, and this is my opinion solely and going from there is, I think you will see a little bit of a different atmosphere when it comes to, let's just take the office asset class, for example, mm-hmm. is Yes, you're going to see less office space or less, you know, forcing employees or telling employees they have to work from there when a lot of companies are realizing, hey, I can work from home. I don't need to pay, you know, I don't need to pay for a really expensive office space when in theory, a lot of these a lot of these employees for a corporate company like that would rather be getting the benefits themselves. So I think you're going to see a trend in corporate business, et cetera that is going to see a lot of people or a lot of companies giving benefits of maybe I'll pay a little bit more for like an office space. So like technically now we're, you know, we're sitting in a two bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're going to pay you a little bit of a stipend now to get a third bedroom that can be your office space at home because paying you to get, you know, for you to get extra space is going to be a lot cheaper than class A office space in downtown St. Louis. So I think you're going to see a little bit of a trend towards that in the office world. Now on the other side of the office world, and again, I'm no office expert. I want to make that clear. And I am not in, you know, that, that commercial, this commercial asset class is not mine or not my really expertise in, in, in all of this. But where I think I heard another uh, perspective that I thought was interesting is a lot of these corporate companies will still need office space. And actually, you'll see it come back with a pretty good resurgence because now with everything going on, they can't squeeze people into smaller office spaces. You can't have a floor on an office and have, you know, X number of employees, we now got to space it out. So we're going to need more office space. So you might not have as many of the smaller companies doing this, but you're going to have bigger companies getting bigger spaces, you know, but that's where it's going to balance out a little bit different. So I thought that was a unique, unique perspective. So truthfully, I don't know where it's going to play out for that aspect of the commercial asset class. Yeah. I've never really considered like the, the spacing in the office and how like more offices are going to have to be more spaced out moving forward. And so I think you're going to see that. And a lot of, instead of these companies that are doing, um, you know, you have your own cubicle or you have your own office space, you're going to see a lot more of shared atmospheres. And there's a lot of great companies yeah. here in the St. Louis area that were already kind of implementing that or doing that where it's, you know, your stuff is mobile for the most part. You're not going to have a desk computer. Everything's going to be a laptop. You bring it to you know a cubicle or a desk for the day or you bring it to an office space for the day. 
and then you're done for the day after that. You know, you, you pack up your stuff, you go from there, maybe you get a locker or something like that. And so, again, there's a lot of companies I know in this area that are doing that. I think you're going to see that more often in some of these other, you know, smaller companies starting to implement that because they, they have to in today's yeah. society. Yeah, I think um, a lot of like companies are going to move to like the the hybrid approach where it, which they'll do like what you said. They'll have kind of like that shared workspace where Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, this group of employees comes in the office. Tuesday, Thursday, yeah. group B comes in the office. Yeah. I think it, it's interesting if you look back at this same you know, we're, uh, you know when we're recording this early 2021 right now versus early 2020, I don't think a lot of companies truly believed they could go fully remote with their employees. Mm-hmm. And so the it's interesting that you know it takes a global pandemic to basically say you have to, you're forced to do this. And it's interesting to see which companies have really responded to that and mm. taken to that, which, and when I say responded to it, almost every company's had to respond to it. I mean, yeah. is and figure out how to work, you know, work remotely like that. And so I think you'll see a trend this next decade of, you know, trusting employees to work at home more and making more of that hybrid approach, like you just said, yeah. to, you know, you'll be in the office when you need to, or we have a group meeting or something like that, or a team meeting that you have to be there, but otherwise, get used to working with, you know, face-to-face via computer and stuff like that. It's it's really, like, kind of sped up our entire, like, progression of society by, yeah. like, several years because yeah. of it. But I think that where it's interesting and kind of a little bit of a topic change here is just us, like, talking right now. You're still not going to be able to take away the face-to-face value that that society really enjoys. I mean, mm-hmm. you had asked me, do you want to do this via Zoom or you want to do this in person? I would much rather be in person and we're doing this socially distant, still doing our stuff. But yeah. this is, you're going to make better connections this way versus talking to somebody on a phone constantly or just seeing a face in the screen that's, mm-hmm. you know, wearing nice clothes up top and then not having any pants on at the bottom, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. I think that there's, the value of these face-to-face interactions in society are con- going to continue to go up as, yeah. People can't do this. That that freedom of being able to be with other people has been, you know, diminished. So now it, this these these opportunities are really something that are I think people are missing. And so when the opportunities come about that we can have conversations or face to face like this, mm-hmm. I think people are going to cherish that a lot more from you know this same time last year. Yeah, I always. And like I said to you, like I always prefer to do like an in-person interview just because like the energy in the room is different. You yeah. just get like a better vibe. Yeah. And, and the conversation just flows better. You don't have to worry about that like awkward lag where I say a word. Yeah. Like you don't hear You're it. You're just for, talking like, over each other and yelling yeah. in the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So um, so let's shift over to like life after college. What, what did that look like for you? Like did you do the whole corporate world or did you jump straight into real estate or how did that look? Well, I'm actually, I'm going to backtrack a little bit from there and go into college a little bit as I didn't really have a completely typical college career. And I would say that, you know, very much so I, I enjoyed all my time in college and just definitely really, you know, did as much normal as I could, but I enjoyed being extremely busy and I, you know, I can say I'm stressed and all that stuff, but I don't like downtime. So especially in college, I wanted to find part-time jobs and do things on the side, et cetera. And that's where I really got started is my, my uncle, as I, I mentioned earlier, he, you know, was starting this real estate company with, that was storage. Well, so he was starting a storage company that basically became a real estate company. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really got my roots from is I basically kind of volunteered, you know, in a sense is, Hey, uncle Pat, what do you need help with? You know, do you need help with, I mean, I'm looking at your website. It looks like your website needs some updating and you're growing rapidly. And at the time I started with him, he is at 14 facilities across two States in New York and New Jersey. 
And so I was like, well, what do you need help with? You know, what do you, and he was really only like the real, only real corporate person in his, in his company. Mm-hmm. Like he had property managers, he had stuff like that, but he didn't really have anybody corporate. So somebody doing the advertising and the marketing and, you know, cold calling and sending letters to potential facilities and stuff like that. That's where he really saw an opportunity with me. And I was able to start working with him and just kind of learn secondhand. Now it's, again, I, I talk about working remotely he was, I was work, you know, in school in central Illinois and his business was in New York. <laughs> so it was always an hour behind and I'm a thousand miles away. So it was a little bit of a learning curve that I get used to is a lot of talking on the phone and emailing and it's, you know, not the face to face interactions. Like I could just walk into a facility and know what's going on. And, but it was a great learning experience. I learned so much from him and he, again, that again is definitely a mentor to me and has really helped us through our entire college career here. And so when I was in college, I would travel for him going on like fall break and spring break and other things. I would actually travel out to New York and go do stuff. I spent one of my spring breaks going from New York City down some of his facilities on the New Jersey coastline. So (laughs) that was a crazy, weird trip. Not like in like, oh, crazy spring break. Like, no, it was just like trying to figure out logistics and getting on trains and like going to here and like from never being in New York City before. That's a whole, you know, and you're like 18 years old or 19 years old. It's like, yeah, what could go wrong? It's a little different than going to South Padre Island. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, yeah, not something. It was actually Tom's River, New Jersey. Yeah, very big difference for, yeah, spring break. It was not what you'd expect. And so that was, that was you know, again, great learning experience because he just bought the facilities and I was going there and helping with onboarding and getting things set up and getting, you know, just seeing different atmospheres. And so I really am appreciative to him for kind of basically giving me a lot of the range and you know range is the wrong word but just saying here go figure this out kind of thing and, and just being able to do it and it was really a lot a good learning experience for me that I felt comfortable with the industry and I understood it and I went from there so during my college career here it was interesting because my dad has always been saying man we should just do this ourselves you know mm-hmm. not do it ourselves but just get it ourselves here closer to St. Louis and closer to home and I think where he always kind of lacked in that was the operation side. He's a CPA by trade. He's an accountant guy. He's a numbers guy. So he's not a, op, you know, he's not a he's not a manager. He doesn't enjoy you know the conflict and mm-hmm. and like working with tenants and doing all this stuff and didn't know how to put the operations and the systems in place and because he just doesn't. That's not his background. Right. So when I felt like I was finally comfortable with doing, hey, I kind of understand these operations and I think we could really do this. You know, let's just see if we could figure out and find a facility. And so again, this is all my sophomore year of college, <laughs> being 19, year, 19 years old or something like that. Yeah. And we ended up buying or finding a small facility in, uh, it's called Dupo, Illinois, right across the river from St. Louis um, on the Illinois side. And it was about a 160 unit facility and great little starter facility. We ended up buying it and there's a whole bunch of stories with that purchase, but that's, <laughs> we won't go into all those details, but we purchased it, we get into it, and it just was it was a great learning facility because we learned a lot of lessons on it. And there was just a lot of craziness going on that we didn't know until we bought it. And it was, I mean, we went from buying it at 100% occupancy to almost cleaning house on some really bad tenants. So by one month, we ended up, we were down to 70% occupancy after like two months. Wow. And not because we wanted to, but it was just because there was just so much shenanigans, I guess is the word. I don't mean to sound like a, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the right word. Just so much of just you know, oh, I don't pay that much money. And he never made me pay that, you know, the old owner, he never made me pay that much money. And, oh, we like to hang out and we just, you know, we're sleeping in our storage unit. I'm like, no, you can't do that. Like it's, it was, there was a lot of like a reality check of like really cleaning up a, I would consider it, you know, problem child that we didn't even know was a problem there. 
People try and sleep in their storage facilities? Oh, yeah. I, oh, wow. We could have a whole separate podcast on the things that I have seen in storage units. Is I could you know write a whole separate book, and I don't know why I haven't yet. I've been just literally just last week, someone locked another person inside the storage unit. So they locked him in the storage unit. They try and sleep in the storage unit. I was once a murder suspect because of a storage unit there. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's, I mean, wow. that's just, that's just off the top of my head right yeah. now. There's a lot more stories of crazier things. Yeah. So we'll get into those ones later. That's for yeah. separate drinks is I'm going to leave that dangling for the listeners here is, oh, he said murder suspect. I think. Yeah, no, it, I wasn't, we're all good. It was just miscommunication, <laughs> but long story short. So, but yeah, so there was just crazy stuff going on there that you would just never expect. And so Thank God it was kind of a side project for my dad and I. It wasn't like my dad quit his job and was going to do this full time because we went from 100% full down to about 70% full. And we really had to build back up and get some good clientele, put normal systems, normal procedures in place. And I remember this was, we bought it in May of 2016. And so we kind of were like, you know, by the end of the summer, we were hitting that breaking point of like, okay, this has just been crazy, you know, crazy summer, issue after issue. And I'm still having an internship and going back to college. He's doing this. Mm -hmm. So we kind of had two options, like, okay, do we either keep doing this and figure out you know, how to keep doing this because we either need to scale this so we can get an employee that can do all this stuff right. or we need to figure out a better system currently. And so I guess I, guess I could say stupidly or you know, it's rightly so is our, it worked out is, all right, we're going to scale this instead. Let's just, instead of just worrying about one, let's get more so we can make scale this because that's what my uncle's done and other people. More so. employees or more units? More facilities. More units. Yeah. Yeah. We did so well on the first one and I say that facetiously the entire time. So we just said, why don't we keep doing this yeah. and just, if we get more, it'll get better kind of thing. Probably not the best mindset that we could have had, but okay, whatever. So we we kind of put some feelers out again to see if we could, if there's anybody else interested in selling. And when I say feelers like that, is is the commercial asset class a lot of stuff like like storage units and office buildings and stuff like that you don't and you don't drive by and see a for sale sign in front of it you don't see you know for sale you know call this broker like like you would a house or something like that so a lot of the stuff's off market a lot of the stuff's on you know you have to know the right people and get connections but we've done a lot of ours via off market of like Literally, the kind of old-fashioned way is we do direct mailing and literally like yeah. mailing letters to a bunch of owners and going from yeah. there. Like, because that's been the most successful for us in the storage world. Even though a lot of people are like really mailing. Like, I'm probably the only 25-year-old that does a lot of mailing every month. <laughs> you know, and I, I've heard of other people in real estate doing that where they go and put like mm -hmm. uh, mailers on doors and just or just yep. go door to door knocking yeah. with the intention of maybe catching someone who might want to sell mm -hmm. and the opportunity presents. So like, eh, I might as well sell this. I don't want to deal with the headache anymore. And that's what we had with our, our second, I would say, second property portfolio. So it was three facilities in your neck of the woods over in Belleville, like we, we talked about before this. But it was, an, it was two owners. It was two neighbors that owned it together. And it was the neighbors were kind of really just kind of done with each other. They were fighting a lot and they were having arguments between each other. And so they got our letter and... They said, yeah, I think it's time when they called us. Like, I think we're interested in selling. And we ended up going and my dad and I went and met them. We saw all the facilities, saw their stuff and gave them an offer that we kind of like, oh, I think this makes sense. We can do it. Gave them an offer. And they were like, it was kind of funny. It was almost like, I think I remember them saying like, they came back and countered us at like just a little bit above what we offered. They were like, okay, is there something we missed here? Like it wasn't even like a really like a big negotiation or anything. And they said, you know, we're in for it. I said, 
And my dad and I kind of had that moment of, okay, are we really going to go from one facility to four facilities now by yeah. the end of the year? This seems ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we, we're, barely, we're, we're, we're scraping by on this first one. Are we really going to, well, yeah, if we get those four, we can get an employee that can do all the mm-hmm. stuff and et cetera. So get, got a contract on that facility. And really, just like anybody would, is we're buying a lot of large properties in the first year. And so we ended up, uh, you know, like, where do you find the money and where do you go from there? So we had some private investors that we brought in and some other stuff, you know, family members that were interested in it to be able to finance it. So we were just getting ready to start, you know, really the due diligence and get closing on this. And I had a gentleman call me then right after because we were putting out a bunch of mass mailings and stuff. Mm-hmm. We got we got these facilities on our contract. But this guy calls me and says, Alex, it's Bob. I'm like who's Bob? I'm like, Oh my God, is that Bob who I met from, you know, five years ago? It was like right when we first started, like even like years back or whatever. He's like, Alex, I always enjoyed our conversation and everything else. And I talked to my accountant and he says, we're ready to sell. I said, Oh, that's great. And he says, so, so we're ready to sell now. And the only people that know about it are my accountant and we're coming to you first. We want you guys to buy it. Oh, that's that's probably a jackpot. It was a jackpot, but it was really kind of. An, are we allowed to curse on this? I assume. Yeah, so. yeah. It was that oh shit moment because we were like, we just signed the contract on the three other facilities that we were yeah. like, oh, we're gonna have to figure out how to make that work. And I just remember, and this is my dad will tell this story every time we do it. Is we had signed the contract for the other facility to start that process, send it over, and my dad was still working in corporate world, so he was going into a meeting with his bosses, the boss's boss, like a huge like like end of the year or kind of end of quarter you know meeting like that where he couldn't leave. As soon as he sent that over, I get this call about Bob wanting to sell, and I'm calling my dad, and I'm doing all this stuff, and he's sitting in this meeting, and he even says, I couldn't tell you what happened in that meeting because I had four missed calls from you, and I had to call me as soon as possible. It is an emergency. Like yeah. He's like, I've already to step out because I thought you were dying or something like that. And no, as soon as he steps out of me, he's like, what is going on? I said, Bob called. And he's like, again, same thing. Who's Bob? Yeah. <laughs> you know, who's this Bob yeah. guy? Like, all these, Bob called and he wants us to buy his facility. And we, I knew the numbers kind of off the top of my head. And I'm like, that is too good of a deal to pass up. And I just remember going, uh, Dad, I think we're going to have to make this work. And it just was a long pause of like not hearing kind of like one of those, like we just talked about with the Zoom calls. Like, are you still there? Can you hear me kind of thing? And I just hear, yeah, I'm there. And I'm just, and I just remember him going, holy shit, you know, more than, like, oh, shit. Like, are we going to figure out how to do this? I said, no, we have to figure out how to do this. Because if we're the only ones that know about it, storage is a small world. But if we're the only ones that really, truly know, we got to make this work. Right. So we ended up closing on the three properties in Belleville in December of 2016. And luckily, the owner of the other facility that we were interested in in Columbia, Illinois, who wanted to do this, was extremely slow and did it very old-fashioned because he was about 70-something years old, and he wanted to mail everything. He didn't do email. Mm -hmm. We actually lucked out because everything was the slowest closing ever because he wanted to mail everything. Then he had a surgery for a month. Then the letter got went missing for a month. Like We had like months extra because of, you know, old-fashioned snail mail right there. But we ended up closing on that one, so we closed in December of 2016 and then April of 2017. So we bought five facilities over 100,000 square feet with over 1,000-something tenants in about 11 months after never owning rental property or anything in our lives before that. Yeah. You know, I... I think a lot of like people that find themselves in successful positions, whether it's like real estate or anything, there's always that moment where I think they like bite off more than they think they can chew. 
And like the pressure just kind of forces them to like level up almost and make it happen. It's like the Chihuahua with the big bone. Like they get like like the little tiny Chihuahua with the giant. Like that's how I we kind of felt was like, well, we're gonna have to make this work. You know, we know it can work. We just need to make sure that, like you said, the pressure will get to you. Is we got to make sure we put good systems in place and good processes. And these facilities were mismanaged. And something that I think was really different for our atmosphere is there's a lot of companies that'll come in and use all the capital they have to do fancy upgrades and big, you know you know, all these different things. We weren't that company. I mean, we were like for a time there, we were worried about having to pay too much money for, to put a new sign in, Mm -hmm. you know, while other companies come in and put a brand new facade and brand new paint and everything. Like we were like, okay, we can't spend really anything right now. (laughs) We have to manage properly and get them up to when the pressure did it is you got to put the systems in place. And we, turned a lot of these mismanaged properties around and that's yeah. where our expertise really came in. And it kind of forces you to like just pay attention to like the most important factors of like each property yeah. probably or like any other area of well, like outside of real estate. You know? It would be property management. It's going where we put our money. Okay, we need to put a nice sign in to make sure it looks good. Great. We need to put, you know, they were paying the one, the one facility was paying uh, like thousands of dollars a, a year in yellow page ads. Mm. Guess what? No one's looking at the yellow pages no, right now. No. So that yellow page sales rep, and no offense to any yellow page sales <laughs> reps that are listening to this right now, that yellow page sales rep was so sad because he called my dad and was like, okay, so we're just going to sign up for the same thing, you know, whatever it is, thousands of dollars a year. And my dad's like, nope, we're canceling everything. And they're like, I'm sorry, you're, I didn't hear you right. And he was like, no, you heard me right. Like, we're canceling it. We're putting it all into digital marketing. And that yeah. poor sales rep lost one of his biggest clients because the old owner thought he swore by the yellow yeah. page ads and went from there. Yeah, that's just, I mean, it's a, it's becoming a digital world as we were talking about earlier. And even just since 2016, it's changed dramatically. But that was, yeah, so that was a really a... That was where we really had to be picky on what we did, and that's where it's it, it's a nice partnership in what my dad and I have is that my background's in you know the engineering, construction, whatever you want to call it, world like the real estate world like that. So I'm really good at the marketing and the efficiencies and how do I you know do all that stuff. While he's the bottom line guy, he's a CPA, he's accountant, he looks at the numbers, you know, he's the expenses. So I'm top line, he's bottom line. And because of that, we've done, been very successful because we balance each other really well. I've only gotten fired five times from the company, and I've only made him quit three times. So it's great working in a family business. We've only you know done that multiple yeah. times, but it's been it's 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 really been good because of how much we play off each other is how we've really had the the the, the ability to do so well with these. Has it like affected your relationship with your dad at all? Like just outside of business and outside of the real estate world. <laughs> I am the only person in the world, probably like somebody around our age, you know, 25 something, that probably talks to his parents because my mom's also involved too. I talk to my parents like seven times a day each. So it's, yeah. so, so on the personal side, yes. I mean, it's kind of, it's funny because when you're in a family business, the business is your family. I mean, it's, it's the stuff you're doing. So it's not like, it's sometimes it's tough to differentiate it. My sisters who aren't super involved in the, in it yet or in the, in the business yet, they kind of get sick of dinner going, do we have to talk storage all the time? It's right. kind of like, well, no, but it's just, it's hard. It's, it's it's a great thing to have, and I would not change anything about it. I love working with my family and having that atmosphere. 
but it is still, it's, it's hard to differentiate sometimes work between business and we've really had to have like, we cannot talk work at this anymore. Yeah. You know, really. don't, you know, don't let that line cross. And I'm probably the worst proponent of that is I have so many ideas that pop in my head and I just start talking about it. And I yeah. usually am the one that yelled at to shut up and let's stop talking about it. That's something I catch myself doing that I try to get a lot better at because, you know, like when you get like a, a side project or passion, like for me, it's the podcast. Like I want to talk to my friends about it and talk to my yeah. family about it constantly, but like, I know that they don't want to hear about it constantly. Yeah. Like there has to be that like separation yep. almost. I think it's a lot of my my roommate, for example. Uh, you know, I own my house. He he he's a he's my roommate there. So I really am big into real estate in all aspects, and that's why I wanted to buy a house and do all that. And then I have another good buddy of mine. I'll I'll shout him out here really quick. Jack Luzecki, Deca Deca Realty, uh, great realtor in South County for anybody that needs. Uh, you know, our, uh, you know, great neighborhood realtor and really good friend of mine. When Jack and I get together, all we want to do is talk about real estate and investing and stuff like that. And even my roommates like, Oh, who's going? Like, we're going to go to the, you know, we're going to go to the bar. Let's go. Well, who's going? Well, it's just me and Jack. He's like, I'm not going. <laughs> he's like, I don't, he's like, I know you two are just going to talk real estate the whole time. Like I'm not, I'm not going like it's, it, I'm like, okay, see you later. Like it doesn't bother me. I'm like, you're lost in my head. So, yeah. so yeah, again, sometimes sep- separating and differentiating that stuff is, little little interesting but yeah like yeah. you said like the podcast and the, all the you know oh how can we grow and how can we be better it's like all right sometimes you just got to put that yeah. aside and yeah. go do other things so 100 percent. all right so like at what point you said you like interned and and you worked in the corporate world for a little yep. bit at what point did you walk away from that and like fully commit and like what was that like like were you nervous so yeah so all this stuff i said when we were buying facilities it was my dad and i buying these and figuring out how to do them that was still all really on the side. It wasn't like I, you know, got out of college and did that. No, I was still in college and still helping out with phone calls when I can and, you know, working as a part-time, like part-time, and I'm doing that in air quotes, you know, that right out of, right out of college, I ended up taking a, a job with a, an engineering company doing project management for them, and they had let me know that I'd be traveling for them, and... I was like, okay, that sounds good. And like, where are we going? Is there different locations? Well, no, they actually were like a en- engineering company that focused on like uh, natural gas and uh, you know uh, methane gas and stuff like that. So we actually they were. I was stuck on a new project that was a uh, <laughs> uh, on a pig farm and taking methane gas out of pig poop. <laughs> Yes, it was a phenomenal. Sounds exhilarating. Yeah, you can tell how I am so was so happy about that. Um, so. Basically, I was in a beautiful town called Milford, Utah. You ever heard of it? No. Oh, man, you're missing out. <laughs> uh, there was one restaurant. There was one, uh, you know, it's one of those. It was the middle of nowhere, desert town. There was desert for miles in every direction. Beautiful area, but I was living out of a travel lodge hotel room and basically secluded me and another guy. And the other guy was like, all right, well, I'm going to be leaving the project soon and you're going to be in charge and we're leaving. I'm like, are you just dumping the new guy in the middle of the desert and like expecting this to work kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And I'm, and for my personality and coming to find that I was like being that secluded and stuff, it just was not a good fit. And I'm like, I kept trying to tell myself I wanted to get into construction management, be like project manager and do all that stuff. And I'm like, you know what? All I'm doing is I'm sitting out here and I'm more worried about real estate and I'm more worried about like the, the storage silly doing that. So I said, why can't I get, you know, it kind of was one of those like awakening moments. It took, it took me getting secluded in the middle of the Utah desert to finally go, why can't I just focus on real estate full time? Yeah. Like whether it be fully storage or fully something else, I really want to get into real estate. And I kind of gave them the, Hey, I, I can't keep doing this kind of thing. Like, yeah. and ended up, I was only there for a month and a half. So again, that's probably not the best on the resume. And I kind of kept that off the resume because yeah. it was right out of college. 
ended up getting very lucky when I came back here to St. Louis because, again, same thing. It was a lot of the talking about and really, you know, what do I want to do with my life? I don't want to be traveling all the time. I want to come back and have a real life in St. Louis. I want to buy a house. I want to, you know, I do want to travel some, but I don't want to be completely like living out of bags for three quarters of the year, you know? <clears throat> and so I just came to the realization, okay, what do I want to do with my life? I want to do real estate in some aspects. So let's get involved in that. And that's where I got an offer from a, a real estate company called Cushion and Wakefield, mm-hmm. larger commercial firm. And, you know, great company, nothing but good things to say about them. They were, they were, they were a great company. And I learned, I worked for them for about two years and it was awesome because I kind of got into commercial real estate and understanding more than just the storage world and understanding other aspects of, you know, office leasing and office space. Uh, cause I was working specifically for an Edward Jones account doing like, uh, office spaces for financial advisors and everything like that. So really it was, a, it was a great learning experience, et cetera. And, you know, did the, did the corporate thing for, you know, about two years doing that aspect. So, yeah. so, so, I mean, were you nervous when you walked away from it and like, how did you like mentally handle, I guess, going from a world where you had a boss constantly to a world where you're kind of like your own boss and you kind of manage your own time? Yeah. And even then it it was, that wasn't even the part where I really even jumped fully away. It was kind of going from, you know, from, from the desert to Cushion and Wakefield doing all that stuff. And so there's another whole aspect I have, again, there's, there's a lot of different layers here, but and about so I did that for about a year and a half working corporate and kind of doing the whole or got to about a year and a half or year mark and I'm kind of like okay like it was a great learning experience like my dad wanted me to do you know all right you know wait a second the corporate world doesn't really respect me or doesn't care if I do well or not I could be the, I was the top you know top producer for leases because I was one of their metrics mm-hmm. so it's like great and at the end of the year what did I get a $15 gift card I'm like, okay, I've saved this company thousands of dollars. I'm like, and your response is like $15, you know, a gift card to the, to the basement cafeteria of the office. I'm like, okay, that feels like a slap in the face. And I kind of, it was a good wake up call and realization on, okay, if I were to start my own company and I were to do my own thing, you know, where, or how, how would I do that? Or how would I want to make sure I treat my employees and how do I want to make sure, you know, do I like this moment? So, okay, how do I make sure not to replicate this into different atmospheres and different aspects? And it was a great wake-up call to see that. So I got approached by, I I had this idea already in my head a little bit and just thinking about how to implement it. And then I got really approached by a a good real, another realtor friend of mine in this area who's a big, uh, she's a big broker. Her name is Marla Cholich. uh, And she was one of the, one of the few people that really kind of pushed me to this. And so I want to give her props where props are due here. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were talking about this and she really said, uh, you know, you guys have like a very good operations and, you know, management in place of your facilities. We did very well, you know, after having our bumpy spots in the beginning, three years later, this is late 2019, you know, it all worked out. We did very well with, or we have done very well. We still own them and still operate them every day. And, you know, have you ever thought about, you know, scaling this to, you know, assist other owners and do this for other owners? I actually was like, yes, I actually have thought about it, but I don't really know if there's a need out there, you know? are there that many owners and facility owners that need this kind of assistance? Yeah. To be more of like a consulting figure as opposed to, yeah. So how I would describe it is we are, well, what it's technically called is third party property management in our industry is basically being a property management company for self storage facility owners. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very, very, very unique asset. I mean, very specific, very unique, but 
it kind of is like I do also do consulting on the side too for storage owners or people wanting to get into storage. But yes, basically that idea is there's a lot of people that want to buy just like, okay, so maybe you're an investor and you want to like Steven does. Steven buys, you know, a good, uh, a, a good single family house. He's either going to manage it himself, you know, by self-manage it or property management, or he's going to get a property management company to come hire that. Well, a lot of people, like we just talked about earlier in this podcast, self-storage has been a really, really booming asset class right now that's been very stable comparative to retail spaces and office space and other stuff. So a lot of investor investor types are trying to get into it, but they don't want to operate it on a daily basis. Yeah. They aren't going to be the ones taking the phone calls. They aren't going to be the ones that want to worry about you know, doing that stuff. And, and they don't know how to put systems in place because maybe they came from the multifamily world and now they're buying into storage. So they need somebody to assist them in that aspect. And so where I've, I was like, you know, I, I've been thinking about how can we scale this for, for that, but I don't want to just scale because, you know, it's kind of like a franchisee in some cases. It's like, I don't want to just scale and take anybody. We got to be very specific and even who we want. So not only are we specific in being a property management company only for storage facilities, <laughs> now it's like, okay, who are my specific clients within the storage industry too? And that was kind of a real big conversation that I've had with uh, multiple brokers and where we excel is not only in the you know, there's a lot of facilities like, okay, we're just, we're here in downtown St. Louis and you look around and there's, you know, there's an extra space storage, there's public storage, there's CubeSmart's another big player. Um, and there's a lot of big, you know, nationally known players. Those aren't all owned by those big companies. Some of them are actually personal owners that then just contract out or franchise out to these, to have them third party manage or property manage them. Yeah. That's not our target facility. You know, we aren't, which is great. I love having a, you know, big class A, 100,000 square foot facility, but our targets more your mom and pops in secondary markets, the Belleville, Illinois, the, um, you know, Springfield, Illinois, maybe Peoria, Illinois. I have, we have a client coming on here soon up there. Um, more like suburbs and rural areas. More they, there's kind of three different types of markets. There's primary, which would be your Kansas city, St. Louis, uh, Springfield, Missouri, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Then there's your secondary markets. That would be smaller, like Columbia, Missouri, uh, you know, um, Springfield, Illinois, Peoria, Illinois. Like they're not, they're not small towns, but they're not big, you know, they're not big booming Chicago's or something like that, et cetera. So there's, so there's primary, secondary is what those are called. And then the third ones are like tertiary, which is rural, you know, which is your, you know, there's cornfields everywhere. And then there's a small town that has hopefully a McDonald's in it. No offense to anybody listening in a small town that only has a McDonald's (laughs) in it. But so we really focused on the secondary and the tertiary markets because and, and smaller end facilities. When I say smaller, I still say like 30,000 to 60,000 square feet, usually between 100 to 500 units, you know, because some of these bigger places are 800 plus. Would I take an 800 plus facility? Yes, but that's not my target market right now. It's more these secondary ones. So we so we work well. We're here in, you know, in the Metro East St. Louis, which is still made, technically primary, but kind of still its own market. Um we have a new property outside of Kansas City. We have one in Staunton, Illinois, which is a little tiny tertiary small town mm-hmm. that we manage in. We have one outside in Jefferson County, Missouri, you know, south of St. Louis. We got one coming up in Branson. So it's like, and then we have two in Oklahoma and Kentucky, you know, in smaller markets. So we really hit these different markets that aren't just your, you know, I'm not walking in that, you know, while I love a big one here in St. Louis, that's not what we're targeting right now. Right. 
And so it was kind of, that's where I got approached at the beginning of last year is how can you help these owners and how can you do that? And it was, well, let's, you know, put a model in place and do all that stuff. And, and that's kind of where the idea came into place at the beginning of beginning of 2020. And it's interesting because you just, you, you mentioned it uh, previously here saying, you know, how do you get something like that going? You know, uh, you need to put a little pressure on it to figure it out, you know, or put, you'll come under the spotlight or be under pressure when you're doing this stuff. And that's kind of what happened to me is I had a broker bring me, uh, <laughs> bring me a facility and they go, and she goes, well, it's the same person, Marla. She came to me and said, where are you at with that management company idea? I said, oh, I got a name maybe and a website, like, <laughs> you know, getting some marketing materials ready, like very early. Cause this is just right. I mean, literally right after we, we had talked and some other people I talked to about the idea, et cetera. She goes, okay, I got a brand or a new facility that I'm you know, listing and we're going to sell it. Would you, would you be able to manage it? I could. I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> kind of like it was like one of those. And this is while you're working full time. Still, this is still while I'm working okay, full time. Yeah. So this is all on the side right now with yeah. that kind of stuff. And that's that's that'll we'll come into that in a second. And so, it's funny. So, so, so can you manage it? And who who who's trying to start a new company is gonna say nope, can't do it. I was like, uh, we'll figure it out, kind of thing. And and the person who's buying it was out of state. She doesn't have any experience in storage. She has some experience, like she's owned some before, but she's never managed it on a day-to-day basis and needs somebody somewhat local. So even mid-Missouri from St. Louis mm-hmm. is still local, mm-hmm. you know, to, to them. And so we were going through the process. It was going great. I was, you know, g- going up against some really big competition, and we ended up getting awarded the contract. Awesome. This is great. I was flying high. I'm, you know, this is a huge contract. I'm going to quit my full-time job. This is awesome. This is so good. And so I got awarded the contract in mid-March. <laughs> so you, for, so for those listening out there and you sitting here looking at me and laughing is, guess what happened at the end of March then <laughs> of 2020 was COVID. Right. So she ended up walking away from the deal. The deal fell apart. You know, every contract. I got awarded the contract, but the contract was based on her closing the facility. She never closed on the facility. The big, you know, giant contract I thought I had in place got crushed by COVID. So I was like, you know, very heartbreaking. And it just was a weird time, too. It's like, okay, are we going to buy this? And it was like, I don't know. What's the world going to be like? And that's what a lot of investors were doing. And I get that totally. So, you know, my whole dreams of I'm quitting my job already. This is a good thing. I didn't go and like put my two weeks notice in right away or anything <laughs> like that. I was like, oh, thank God. I was like, oh. Awkward conversation. Oh, my God. I was like, not that I was going to and I was going to yeah. wait a little bit and make sure it all balanced out and stuff. But it just was funny. I was like, okay, kind of like, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't. Well, so I ended up, you know, kind of had to almost kind of re- not restart, but just. I was continuing to keep marketing and find people. So I ended up getting three great contracts after that for smaller facilities, nothing that size, three good contracts. And I was doing them and I was working on them and they were still on the side with my full-time job. And it just started to really get the pressure on it. You could see that like the stuff that was happening at these facilities was now bleeding over into my other work world. And I was getting conversations at work going, you know, you don't seem like you're really focused on the time. I'm like, I'm not focused. Like, I know I'm not like it was just, I wasn't focused. I'm like, and it kind of came to midsummer. I finally had to make a decision like, okay, I know I'm not going to be making exactly the same amount of money I'm making now, but I'll take a lot of stress off me. And if this company is going to succeed, I have to go focus on it and do it. And that's a tough conversation to have, mm-hmm. you know, that are you just are tough decision to make. And it was a really tough time for me in the summer is going, I really like the benefits and stuff of the full-time world, but I, I got to jump ship sometime and do it. And it, you know, Ended up jumping in, in about midsummer. I have no regrets since then because it was definitely worth it. I'm glad I did it because yeah. now that I could finally focus on the facilities, 
they were running well. I was able to start doing more marketing, finding more facilities. So, you know, that was my jump from corporate world into doing it myself. And so I've been doing that myself now for about six, seven months, wherever we're at right now, yeah. something like that. So and not looking back since then. So, yeah. and I mean, you kind of have to look at like the big picture. Like when you first make that jump or like start up a business, like you said, you're not going to be earning the benefits and the salary that you probably previously had, but yeah. like the potential there is probably yeah. going to be a lot higher than your earning potential as an employee. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. It was interesting because I would get that from, you know, friends or other, you know, acquaintances that I wouldn't see in a while. Like, oh, what are you doing? You know, where are you working? What are you doing? I'm like, working for myself. And it's kind of like, you get that look of like, oh God, you're 25 years old and you're working for yourself. Like, what did you do? Like, like, yeah. oh, I started a, you know, you know, you know, you know, I mean, you've heard it. Like I started a shirt company or, you know, whatever it was or something. They're like, no, I wasn't crazy. I started a property management group for self-storage facilities. So that blank stare still was like, what does that mean? <laughs> like I get that a lot from friends. Like, what exactly does that mean? But, you know, and it was, yeah, a lot of that is, and it's the pressure of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I've loved that phrase because it is, it's like when you're in the corporate world, hey, I screwed up. I made a mistake, whatever it is. Okay, I have a lot of support because I have all these other people behind me and I got, you know, lawyers if we needed it, if it really was, you know, that bad or you got other managers and other things. You start your own company. If you screw up, you screw up. I mean, (laughs) your company fails. And so it was, I mean, there was a lot of months, you know, in the beginning of going, oh my God, did I do the right thing? This is crazy. What if I make the wrong decision? What if I do this? I mean, and I think anybody listening that wants to have the entrepreneur mindset is you're going to have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. For a little bit there and and i just again i, I want to applaud because my family's really been the ones that have helped me with this i don't want to say that i'm just the only one is i kind of head the management side of things and that's where my family's also you know has helped me in doing all this and they're very good business partners with me on that but it, it i mean then they were great support and everything but it still doesn't make it better when it's like you know did i do the auction process selling people stuff correctly like you know mm-hmm. everybody says like storage wars yes like storage wars but the, the part you see in storage wars is not the whole part. There's a whole, you know, auctioning process, legal process, doing all that. So now I'm doing that on behalf of other owners. And if I screw up, those owners are in trouble. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of pressure on you. And there was some in the beginning, like, oh, my God, did I do that wrong? Is there issues? Like, is it, like a lot of self-doubt almost in like a good way of like enough questioning that you make sure that you're doing well enough with it and you're crossing your T's and you're dotting your I's, which you don't really, not that you don't have that in the corporate world or it just really depends on the job. But a lot of times you don't have that kind of pressure. It's like, it's a different atmosphere because I mean, you're, you're doing it now. And a lot of people that are listening are doing it now is a lot of you work nine to five, shut your laptop, turn off your phone, whatever it is, you don't have it anymore. When you work for yourself, that phone doesn't stop ringing. (laughs) You know, my roommate's always like, are you still dealing with crap? I'm like, yeah, it's nine o'clock at night. Guess what? I had to, you know, I had to do that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm saying a lot of the negatives with it. There's still a ton of perks and I still recommend working for yourself there too. So yeah, but you know, we were actually talking about this on the last podcast I just released, but we were talking how, um, like how people define work is a lot different from the corporate world as opposed to like as an entrepreneur, like an entrepreneur, it's around the clock, like it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Whereas the corporate world, it's, you know, you're going to work from nine to five and then you shut your laptop. Like Mm -hmm. you said, as an entrepreneur, you know, maybe a deal pops up late at night or maybe you have to put together some email that needs to go out the next morning because you forgot to do it. Like it's, it's yep. just, it's how people define work is very different. And exactly. And that's where I, I mean, I'm okay with that. I like, again, like I said, I am a busy per, I enjoy being busy, like sitting on the couch and like watching TV actually makes me shake more than anything of like, 
you should be doing something, Alex. Like that's like the head, like the voice in my head here, and that's you know, like like saying like, okay, you're just sitting here watching TV. You're really wasting your time right now. Like you need to be doing something else, and that's how my mindset's always been, and it still is today. So that's why like you're still working. It's like, well, some of this isn't really work to me. At least it's it's still like you know, I'm, I'm researching other facilities or I'm doing yeah. some marketing stuff like. You know, doing some, how do I get more direct mailings and stuff? Like, who should I be sending letters to or making sure I call the next day? I enjoy trying to find that stuff and put those pieces mm-hmm. together. And I don't want to be doing that during the day. So it's, but yes, that was a big change for me too, is kind of d- differentiating those two from a corporate, you know, okay, it's five o'clock, laptop done, I'll figure it out tomorrow versus, you know, I just mentioned before, someone got locked in their storage unit and you got to go figure that out. And I was out there till 11 o'clock last week, you know, trying to figure out stuff at 11 o'clock at night, trying to figure stuff out. You kind of have to always be on your game almost. To a sense. And I don't want that to come off as, you know, scary sounding, but yeah, in a sense of like, you, you can't, again, you just can't turn it off. It's, and, and which is sometimes a bad thing. I need to get out of that habit of, there's sometimes you can, you, yeah. you can, you can't yeah. just... And especially when you're a young company and there's, you know, that's what we're, we're, we're feeling some good growing pains of like, we're, we've been getting a lot of great new clients and getting a lot of new things. And so it's like, okay, I'm really finding right now as I'm you know not turning it off, but where, where can my time be better served? And I think that's where it's coming into. So, you know, there is some more of, I really need to focus more a little bit on myself to have more personal time. So that means I probably need to hire somebody who does more operations for me and runs the operational side of things. So I can focus more on where I'm a little bit better at. I feel like I'm a lot better at. You know, it's actually really self-analyzing yourself. It's like, where are you really good at? I know I'm pretty good at operations and I understand it. I know how to be efficient. But do I like dealing with the little day-to-day stuff? No. I enjoy like the business development sales side. I'd rather be like helping with the business development, the sales, and the like onboarding a new facility and that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then like, okay, here, now it's somebody else's problem, like kind of nicely. But when you're the only employee and you have that is like... You're doing everything. Your HR, your operations, your you're yeah. you know doing that. Like I've learned more about HR and hiring people than I thought I ever would. You know how many policies and paperwork I'm like, I didn't even know. Do we really yeah. need this kind of thing? It's like, yeah, you do. It actually, and just doing a lot of research on that yeah. to make sure of it. I think knowing like all of those different like duties, like the HR duties, the sales duties, like all of that's very important. But kind of like you were saying, and and I've heard this from a lot of people, is that. As you want to scale a business, you have to learn to work on the business more so than working in the mm-hmm. business. And it's like you said, like recognizing, is my time better spent hiring someone else to do the nitty gritty work that I could be, you know, looking for deals in that time yeah. instead? I've been having this conversation a lot with some of my mentors, my uncle, brokers, friends, et cetera, parents, family, a lot of people It's going... Okay, I'm kind of thinking in like a good way. I'm kind of hitting my, you know, breaking point. I don't know if that's like really the wrong, like the right word because breaking point always seems to have a negative connotation to it. But it's like I'm hitting my point that I just feel like I can't keep doing all this consistently and that I can make sure that I'm performing at the high level that's expected of my clients and stuff like that. So I'm hitting that point of, okay, decisions need to be made of how am I going to scale this, like you said. And so I'm not working in the business because you were completely right is I, I'm, I know I'm working in the business and I'm seeing that. And it's, again, all good things because we're just growing that rapidly. As we started 2020 with five facilities that we owned and now we're owning and managing over uh, about a dozen facilities right now, about 12, which is huge, you know, doubling our size in less than a year. And then I'm also doing some consulting work on the side like that too is, you know, where is my time better spent? It probably is more in the sales and the um, and the onboarding and the consulting side of it versus, you know, we have an issue at this facility and needs to be handled. Can you handle this? It's like, 
I don't, you know, it's it's like you said, is so we're really analyzing that. That's what any good entrepreneur does, I think, is looking at, you know, since this podcast is based on that, is is going how to how do I get out of working in the business, and what are my next steps? Mm-hmm. You know, and and you don't want to look too far ahead, but you want to look far ahead enough mm-hmm. to say because if you're looking so far ahead, you're gonna see what's miss what's right in front of you. But you got to look a couple steps ahead to go, okay, how am I gonna scale this? Because scaling is a great word. You know, I'm kind of hitting that point that I don't have time to do marketing because I'm getting so bogged down in the in the day to day day to day stuff right now. So if I don't get any more prospects, we're going to really top out right here. So how do I make sure that doesn't happen? And so it's really analyzing, okay, is, you know, look at your next steps, but still keep a good visual on what's going on around you because that's what makes a successful entrepreneur is that you're still involved. You still are aware of what's going on and you're not just like, okay, here you, here you go. <laughs> good luck. You know, take the business and let me know how it goes. Like, no, I, I know, I know myself. I will never be at that point nor do I want to be at that point, but I got to figure out where my time is better spent that can help scale this to the right location I want it to be at. Yeah. <clears throat> and you also have to be aware, I guess, of like, I, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, like biting off more than you can chew, but like seriously not biting off I, more than you can chew to where like you're neglecting other areas of the business yeah. because of that. And You know, it's just, it stuff falls through the cracks. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and luckily we've been pretty good at this and, you know, being able to keep on track. And I, I'm a very organized guy, I believe, or a very organized person, but it's been a lot of, of putting process and procedures in place. Like before we only had five facilities and we had two managers running those five facilities. So if they needed something, they would just text me or call me like, Hey, you know, can you do we, can we do this? Can we do that? Yeah, sounds good. You know, whatever. But now that we're bigger and now that we have seven managers working for us, I can't have seven managers calling me every, you know, five minutes for something. And it's kind of doing a little bit of retraining in a really nice way of saying, hey, you know, I'm still here for you if you need something. But, you know, is that a is that the most needed thing? Is that pressing that you needed to call me to ask that question? Or can we send that in an email? Mm -hmm. You know, do we need to have a big meeting on this? Or is it just another, you know, that's a big corporate world one. Did we really have to have a meeting on this? It's like, no, I don't like having big long meetings. I like a once a month meeting. We kind of talk, get the stuff we need out of the way, go from there. But you know, it's it's being really diligent on, Hey, if you send me a text message on this, I'm not going to remember it by the time I get home to actually get to my computer because I'm doing a lot of traveling and moving around and stuff like that. So send me an email and I'll get to it as soon as I can. So it's a lot of, you know, retraining, refocusing and reengaging on the different atmospheres so that I don't get top heavy and don't go back to your original question here and, and saying, making sure that you don't bite off more than you can chew. Mm-hmm. And right now we're chewing a lot, you know, but how do I make sure that I have the systems and procedures in place to make sure that that doesn't completely crumble, you know, or doesn't make, make it happen that your teeth can't chew it anymore yeah. kind of thing. So, <clears throat> so, um, so how do you like stay organized on a day to day basis? Cause I've had people <clears throat> on the show say they, they use a whiteboard. I've had other people, you know, kind of say that you just kind of filter through their email box. Yeah. Is there like a specific method you kind of use to <laughs> stay on top of everything? It's this new invention called the iPhone. Um, no, but I mean, I, I do a lot on my phone is, Phone and email are my big things, and that was kind of coming from the corporate world as they were a big email company. Everything goes in an email, and so I got trained that way that I'm very – like everything I do with a facility, for example, I have a lot of folders in my email. Is okay, all the facilities are organized by this and all that stuff, and if you need something from me, if you need me to do something on the computer, if you just call and tell me, I will not remember, and I know that about myself, and I make sure to make that – you know, make sure I make that known with the employees or anybody I work with or my clients is, hey, you know, this is – I'm just telling you right now, I've, I've been very upfront with that. 
I'm very forgetful and, you know, and I know that about me and now we got to send an email on it. So whether they send me an email or I will literally email myself stuff. So yeah, email and phone, iPhone, Apple for the win. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) So Uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but Apple, like they make their products so good to where it's hard not to use them. You know, and that's where it's like, do I try another phone or something? I've been very happy. I know this phone's like the back of my hand. And so they got me. It's that gotcha marketing. They yeah. they pulled me in. Yeah. I learned their stuff and I don't want to change my ways. I don't like change. I, yeah. I change it if we need to. But guess yeah. what? I would rather stick with what I know yep. kind of thing. And that's where... That's where this industry came in. I've got people asking me, oh, do you manage houses or apartments? I don't do houses or apartments because I don't want to worry about toilets. I don't worry about want to worry about you know those middle-of-the-night calls that my heat went out or whatever. They're storage units. They're yeah. garages. They don't... If if I fall asleep, I don't have to worry about in the middle of the night something crazy happening because yeah. we have you know systems and processes that you can't even be there in the middle of the night. You know, it's just yeah. stuff. It's like, you know, we want to make this real estate asset work for us, not against us. Right. Yeah, I kind of want to touch on that. Like, can you dive a little deeper in like why, why you guys went the self storage route? I know you just kind of said you didn't yeah. want to deal with tenants, but is there like any other reasons why? Well, I already kind of alluded to this earlier. Is a lot of it without even knowing it was my uncle. He kind of already almost made the choice for us in a, in a nice way, <laughs> you know, in a, in a very good way. Is saying you know he already did it. He was doing really well with it. Hey, if he's really doing well with it, why can't we do well with it? Like it's kind of was one of those easy kind of processes. So it wasn't like, you know, that's why we kind of had an unconventional approach towards this. Like it wasn't like we were going, wow, we're really looking to get into real estate. What asset class do we get into? It's kind of backwards. It's like, okay, we know we want the storage asset class, but oh, we're getting into real estate. Like it's a very, very unconventional in that sense. You know, the more we look at these other stuff, it's kind of like, first off, we, I, I say this a lot to people I consult with, friends of mine, et cetera, focus on something. Mm-hmm. And I say that to others because I can be really bad at that. It's like, oh, this is, you know, it's like the shiny objects. Like, yep. oh, cool, this is a listing. Let's go look at a house to flip. And I'm like, I don't know how to flip a house. Like, it's kind of like one of those. And so I have some of those realizations. I get really good at like the, like you said, is you wake up in the middle of the night or you're at night looking at listings that popped up or whatever. Yeah, I do some of that, but I kind of try and bring myself back down to earth. Okay, what am I good at? What do I know? Or, you know, is this a good enough deal? Which is why we, we purchased what we purchased. Because yes, I've done that a couple of times too. It's like, oh, this would be so cool to flip. And it's like, wait a second, step back. I'm really not that handy. It's not like I'm going to be doing this work. So now I got to pay everybody else. It's like, it's like, it looks so cool on the outside. And so that's where I get a little bit of stick with what we know. Uh, you know, we know storage, we know that stuff. I've looked at mobile home parks. It's like, eh, I don't want to worry about toilets, tenants, trash. Mm-hmm. Cause some, a lot of these tenants at these storage facilities, I call it, or my dad calls it. I don't want to take credit for this. He calls it the 80, 20 rule, which is, you know, obviously more of an accounting term or whatever, but it's funny because 80% of the time you're going to spend it on 20% of your tenants. Yeah. 20% of the time you're dealing with the other 80%. Yeah. And there's a lot of tenants. I don't even know their names. I don't know. They're barely there. They put their stuff in there once and they don't come back for five years. You know, I have one in our, one of our facilities who has a little five by five unit, which is again, for those on camera or watching is this little corner over here and they've had it since 1997. We've owned the facility for five years and they've never accessed the unit once because we have like records and logs in our gate access code. There is not one activity of them ever accessing that unit. What could you have in there for, you know, since 1997 that you, which that actually sounds more scary when I say it that way, what could be in there? But it's a lot of that question of going, you know, I've never even met them. Not that I need to meet them. They pay their bill, they do their stuff. And that's what I kind of prefer is I don't want to have it that... I'm here in Kevin's apartment and all I'm doing is hearing from Kevin going, oh, the sink's overflowing right now. I need somebody out here immediately. And that's where these other asset classes are less appealing to us is going, 
I don't want to deal with that crap. <laughs> you know, I don't, yeah. I'm enjoying where we're at and it's more of a business type real estate asset class, not a, you know, something that's messing with somebody's livelihood. Yeah. And, uh, Whenever I talked to Steve about real estate, he kind of was talking about the whole self-storage yeah. um, asset class as well. And he always said that one thing that he always hated or, or wouldn't want to do is like, you don't want to kick a family out of their house and yep. be the bad guy there. It's a lot easier yep. to auction off some items in a self-storage facility as opposed to, you know, telling a mom and her two kids that, you know, you're not going to have a a roof over your head anymore. Mm-hmm. My uncle, when he first started, he owned, I think it was an apartment complex or possibly an office complex too, or a little, but an apartment. And one of his breaking points was it was Christmas Eve and he was self-managing the property and they're getting calls that the water heater went out and he had to ruin yeah. his whole Christmas Eve trying to get water heater. And they're like, you're like, I don't want that. You know, the storage world, you're, again, you're not messing with people's livelihood. And there's another part that's a completely different tangent on this, but Right now with everything going on is a lot of the laws in, in, in just across the country and different states are extremely tenant favored right now. You know, in regards to evictions and paying rent and everything that's going on right now is yeah. they're tenant heavy on their laws. Storage, you know, it's not. You know, it, it's more owner, fr- you know, or, 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 or owner friendly. I want to say investor friendly, but owner friendly in regards to, you know, they don't... <laughs> it's a lot easier to evict somebody or get them out of there than it is to do an eviction process for a house. And you're not messing with their livelihood. If you sell their little five by five full of, you know, beer cartons like this, eh, they're not going to care, right. <laughs> you yeah. know, in a sense. Yeah. I have a lot of tenants who go is, you know, how much do I owe on the unit? Uh, 400 bucks. Oh, there's nothing worth 400 bucks in there. Just sell it. Like it's like yeah. if they get behind. So it's just, it's interesting dynamics because, you know, it's a very, I, I appreciate it being more owner friendly. Now, do I think it's going to be like that forever? Mm, probably not. And we're ready for that and, you know, uncomfortable with making that switch as, if it does go to that. But it also is not a, it's, you're not messing with their livelihood. You, there's no, not a need for storage. You're not, you know, most people are not storing because, you know, I, I have to. We're not, I guess that's the wrong way to phrase it here, but. It's more their choice to store something there. It's, it's either a luxury. It's keep your stuff if you feel comfortable with it and pay extra for it. For the most part, now granted, there's always there's always the cases of I am moving and all my stuffs in there, everything else. But a lot of times, these people, you know, those are your short term renters. Your long term ones who have been there two, three years at a time, usually, are oh, I just wanted to have the extra stuff in case I get to it or whatever. So you chose to put it in there. It's not like we're you know, yeah. it's not like you're an apartment begging for rent and you have to pay that first. So that's where we also fall into that with collections and stuff sometimes is you're not the first bill to be paid. Yeah. Is it your electric bill or your storage bill? Hmm, electric bill. <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of thing like that. Yeah. So it's interesting dynamic and different mindset than like apartment owners and other people are used to a lot of times right, too. Right. Okay, yeah, I want to wrap it up with my two final questions, man. And yeah, uh, no, I'm sorry, we've talked too long. No, I, I talk way too much and I talk too we're, fast. So we're like right on schedule right now. Oh, no, perfect. Good. Well, then, just like I planned. <laughs> there we go. All right. So, first question: If you could sit down and have lunch with anybody, uh, dead or alive, who would it be and why? So I've I've been thinking about this question. And it's going to be kind of a funny answer, a little, uh, or kind of funny and a little bit. Sadder, but I would really like to actually sit down and have conversation or just have lunch with uh, both of my grandpas on either side uh and it, it it's funny because yes i've had you know interact you know i grew up with them i they, they were great you know they just passed away one passed away about a year two years ago year and a half ago whatever it's been i think two years and then the other one's about three years ago or four years ago God, i think even longer than that it's just time flies on this and it's interesting to me because 
they were both extremely good businessmen, but in very different uh, uh, cases. So my grandpa on my mom's side was, owned an auto repair shop. Mm-hmm. And built that up, did very well with it. Never, you know, he was a Marine, um, and, or he is a Marine, or however you want to phrase that. And he really built this industry up, didn't have college experience, didn't, you know, didn't do any of that. Built the business up, sold it, very smart investor, invested with my uncle and stuff, gave, gave great insight. So, really has a great dynamic on that side. On the other side of my other grandfather, on my dad's side, <laughs> Another fantastic businessman, but he was a lawyer and he owned his own law firm. So very two horribly, completely different sides of it. One grandpa was like handyman, like Mm -hmm. can do whatever he wants. And the other one was the sink's broken, call a plumber, please get somebody out here. Like, you know, I don't have time for the deal with this and I got a case tomorrow. And it's, it's completely different dynamic that I think. And the reason I say that I'd like to have lunch with them, I never really got a chance because, you know, I'm only 25 now and they both passed away in the last five years. You know, my business career is really taking off, and I think I could have really learned some great things from them on the business side of it and talking about, you know, how did you get there? What should I do in this? Because every time I talked to them about this kind of stuff, it was super insightful. And I've really, you know, I just really cherish and miss those moments that I wish I could, you know, really do that again. Now, even the spot that I'm in, you know, when I had those tough moments of saying, hey, should I go jump ship and go figure it out and go start my own company and do this? It's like, I know they both would have been super supportive of it, but it would have been nice to have that sounding board. So I think if I could have an actual business lunch with them and pick their brains and really go over that stuff, because I just, I I really didn't have that opportunity to do that. So, and I think we, we often like forget, we often forget like how, how much like, you know, these like people like your grandparents, um, my, you know, my parents, my grandparents, like Mm -hmm. These people have lived their entire lives. They have so much wisdom and you know so much experience under their belts. And I think the older I get, the more I appreciate that yeah. and like to have those types of conversations. So I like to hear kind of like a sentimental answer like that. It's yeah, cool. and I think I, I just I really wish I could have those because even the conversations I did have, they weren't super business based, but they were always just extremely knowledgeable and extremely insightful. And it's just to me, the different perspectives are great, and that's what I love about your uh, your podcast and listening to all these different people. It's not just a real estate podcast. It's not just as you're getting a ton of different perspective because if you get tunnel vision that you're just hearing one perspective on this and I'm, you know, you're only listening to real estate podcasts, you're only listening to whatever, mm-hmm. you're not going to be well-rounded and that's going to be tough in the real world there. So that's why I appreciate hearing different atmospheres and different, um, different, uh, aspects yeah. of people's lives and going from there. Yeah. 100%. <clears throat> All right. So last question. Um, if you could go back in time and give a younger version of yourself a piece of advice, what would that be? Well, I feel like I kind of just answered that a little bit is, you know, talking to your grandparents and something like that. So talking to your family and knowing about that, um, I, I think it would have been, you know, looking back on it, I think this is a lot of answers for a lot of your guests here that I did definitely heard is, you know, oh, I should have invested earlier. I should have put more into the accounts earlier. So I feel it's kind of a cliche answer already. Like, oh, I wish in high school I would have started, you know, investing in the stock market. I'm like. No, I kind of wish I would have went and, you know, purchased real estate sooner. You know, I wish I would have gone and done that stuff. So I think that's kind of a cliche cop-out answer. So I probably would say, you know, if I look back on it going from there is maybe, you know, when I was in college or something doing stuff there is like, instead of renting a bunch of off-campus houses or whatever, why did I not just go buy one of those houses and do like, so there's there's just stuff like that. So it's just looking back, but I'm not even disappointed on where I'm at in my life and saying, oh, I really missed out on something. No, I've been very happy with where I'm at with everything and... Don't feel like I 
oh, I missed the mark on that. Well, maybe Bitcoin or whatever you want to do, <laughs> putting it into, you know, whatever product you wanted to do and didn't, you know, didn't get around to it or whatever. So, and that's literally how it's always going to be in yeah. hindsight. It's always, you know, I should have did this or did that. Why was I making those decisions? But yeah. I think things work out how they're supposed to. Exactly. And that's where I'm like, I'm not like, oh my God, I missed the mark on that. Yeah. Everybody misses the mark sometimes. Right. If you're, if you're not, it's, then damn good for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Go from right. there. <clears throat> so I know that you said you're not, you know, huge in like social media and all that. Um, but where can people connect with you mm-hmm. on social media or check out your company or whatever? Um, for the company, uh, the company's name is Herbs Management Group. Uh, so you can find us at herbsmg.com, E-R-B-S-M-G.com. So it's like herbs and spices, but without the H um, and the spices. <laughs> and uh, so Herbs Management Group, uh, social media, you can usually find me at, uh, at Alex Herbs, A-L-E-X-E-R-B-S. Um, happy to talk to anybody. Uh, send me an email. It's just alex at herbsmg, herbsmg.com. I had to think about that. So send me an email. I'm happy to talk to anybody about this because it's definitely a growing asset class on self-storage and everything like that. So just excited to talk with people. But yeah, you're right. I don't do much on social media. I'm I'm one of those like post a year kind of guys. So I really need to get better at that. But LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, I do a lot on LinkedIn. So probably on there, Alex Herbs. So Okay, cool, man. Well, I I appreciate you coming on. I've I've always been interested in real estate and getting to sit down and kind of like really dive into like a specific asset class like this is is cool and and i appreciate you educating me a little bit you know what there's i I appreciate being here because there's a lot to learn and that was only scraping the surface so we'll have to do this regroup again in a year and go from there and see where we're all at